Hello, and welcome to episode 62 of Brews Less Travel, the podcast exploring the best uncharted beer scenes across the U.S. I'm your host, Brian, and as you can tell uh, from the episode description, we've got a new beer scene to feature. It's Boise, Idaho. Did I say that right? Boise. I think I got it. Uh, We got new feature breweries. They're great, of course. And of course, a new co-host. Please join me in welcoming the boss of barbecue, the bulldog bossa nova, the hero of Hyattsville, my good friend, Isaac Bell. How's it going, Isaac? That's good, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. I got to say, I think that is probably the best introduction I've ever had in my entire life. So I will sell my services to you and I will introduce you in that fashion everywhere you go. I'm not sure if I could afford it. Eh, it's not too expensive. How are you doing this week? How's your week been? Are you sweating profusely because it's a million degrees where you are? Yeah, 100%. So here in, uh, in, in Hyattsville, uh, we like to joke around here that I'm a stone's throw away from Washington, D.C. I literally am. I'm a mile from the from the border, uh, and it's just easier. Nobody knows where Hyattsville is. So uh, it's been hot, and um, we have been uh, not having to water the plants pretty frequently. Uh, we, have a, we have a little thing here in the house that we like to call, whether or not we water the plants or not, we call it a gusher. Um, and it means you could stick your finger into the dirt far enough down that it's wet up into your knuckle. So we kind of joke around of if we got a gusher or not. We've got a lot of rain. Uh, it's still hot, still sweating, uh, drinking a lot of beer to stay cool and uh, living the dream. Yeah. Also very hot here. Um, my succulent has died. I was told it was uh, an unkillable plant. And I killed that sucker. And you managed to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I- I have a, uh, you know, people say they have a green thumb. I have a brown thumb. I kill everything that comes into this house. That's a plant that almost sounded really bad. But yeah, yeah, you're, you're trusted with a human. <laughs> yeah, Not yes, yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I have, a, I have a child to take care of. But, you know, she tells me when she needs water, daddy thirsty. Yeah. If the plant did that, plant would be good. So we're back with our news featured city. Boise, Idaho. And uh, well, last month uh, we featured a city that I think a lot of people associate with craft beer. The Boise is, is not a city that people associate with craft beer, but it absolutely should be. And we're going to spend the next five weeks talking about why. We've got four featured breweries this month, Payette, Mad Swede, Sockeye, and tonight's featured brewery, Lost Grove. We're going to be drinking their Robot Grizzly uh, IPA, and let's give a quick shout out to our marketing folks. As always, um, if you're not in the beer club, you're missing out on the great materials included with the beer box that really help enhance your experience with these amazing local breweries. And of course, shout out to our new subscribers this month. Great to have you. Uh, yeah, we're also going to be joined by a special guest this evening. It is the chairman of the Idaho Hop Growers Commission and the owner of Obendorf Farms. Uh, it is Mr. Brock Obendorf himself. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to go ahead and jump into our first Boise beer. Absolutely. That sounds like a great idea. And we got a great one to start off the month here. This is the Robot Grizzly IPA from Lost Grove Brewing. This is a series of IPAs they do. Yeah. Is yours, is yours disappearing? I could show mine. Yeah, a little bit. I got to tell you, Brian, um, I've spent the better part of the past decade telling people about beer clean glassware. Um, so I pretty much scrubbed this glass as hard as I could before we came on tonight's cast 
didn't want to embarrass myself. I cannot wait to point out every bubble I see on your glass. This well, month. I also I also went for the most ridiculous, uh, you know, IPA glass I could find in my uh, in my cupboard here. Let's see if I can get in. It may look familiar. Ah, yeah, my green. Cheers. Not, not great. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> Excited for this episode. Excited for this month. Mm. So this is a New England style IPA or a hazy IPA brewed with Strata, Nelson, and Pacific Sunrise hops, which is. Kind of funny because we're going to be talking to an American hop grower and someone who is very well versed in American hops. And we're featuring a beer that's mostly made with Southern Hemisphere, New Zealand hops. Just just happened by chance. I'm going to have a really hard time to just not finish this before we even have our guest on. Yeah. um, As our beer club subscribers are finding out and sharing in the chat, uh, this is an extremely tasty ipa from our friends at lost grove 5.8 percent you know not a lot uh not too strong nice in that nice mellow range but really drinkable really juicy but without being overly sweet and this is a great beer to start the month off with 100 percent. i uh i frequently find that you know the, the ipas are there's not enough balance. This is perfect. It's like passion fruit and like lemon jam bitterness on the back. It's, it's kind of like the best of both worlds. You know, you've got that juicy and bitter at the end. Yeah. Very, very well balanced beer. I mean, that should be the goal with every beer. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's make, let's bring some balance in. I think it's about time. I think it's a good time to uh, bring our guests on uh, because I'm very, very excited to talk onions. I, I mean, hops. Uh, please join us in welcoming the chairman of the Idaho Hop Growers Commission and owner of Obendor Farms, Brock Obendorf. How's it going, Brock? Hey, guys. It's going great. Well, thanks for uh, having me. And uh, yeah, my name is Brock Obendorf. I'm the uh, chairman of the Idaho Hop Commission and owner of Obendor Farms. Uh, my brother and I uh, run all of our farms. We farm hops, onions, corn, wheat, beans, hay. We have cattle. Um, but hops is our main thing. And so I'll start with a little uh, history of how we came here and where we kind of came from. That's perfect. So originally, um, my grandpa's dad moved from Germany to Indiana in the early 1900s. And then they put a big water project in called the Wilder Irrigation District or the Boise Project, which is the river, the Boise River that goes through Boise, Idaho. So all of our water comes from right above Boise. So anyways, they put this project in, they built the canals in 1915 to 1918, which my grandpa's dad came and built the canals. As they were doing that, they came over here and they were going to get a lottery to where they could get their own 40 acres of ground. And so the whole purpose was to come over here, start a new life, start a farm and start with irrigation water. Unlike Indiana, Indiana is a little hilly, and it's flat here and dry, and it's also you know a lot more humid and wet in Indiana. So they decided to pick an area that had a little bit of a hill on it. So that's where our farm started, but they didn't realize that you know it doesn't rain here as much. So the flatter ground is better here. Anyways, we started on a hill because we came from Indiana, and that's kind of how we got here. You were like, oh, that looks familiar. Let yeah, I think they were like, yeah, like, we'll oh, do this would be good and whatever. But anyway, so that was kind of interesting. So they moved here started farming. Uh, my grandpa, he was born in 1924. So I, I'm a fourth generation farmer in Idaho, but a third generation hop farmer. Anyways, my grandpa was born in 1924. 
he took over the farm when he was 12 or 13 because his dad died and he kind of had to take care of the family. He was the second person in Idaho to ever raise onions and maybe one of the third or fourth people in Idaho to raise hops. By the time he was 24, he had his first hop field. Uh, he planted it in 1948. Um, one of the neighbors uh, came over from Oregon and put a hop farm in and asked him if, you know, hey, do you want to try hops? And he said, well, you know, nothing venture, nothing game. Might as well try it. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of where it all started. That's awesome. Your family grows hops, onions, all the other things going on the farm. You're working on the Hop Growers Commission. It sounds like you're pretty busy. Uh, what do you like to do outside of work and farming? Outside of work? Uh, well, I mean, we got a lot of great ski hills here in Idaho. So uh, we ski a lot in the wintertime, you know, raft a little bit in the summertime. Most of the time we're around the farm, visiting the ranches, working the cattle. Uh, we enjoy just, you know, being out here. A little bit of fly fishing, you know, stuff like that. A little bit of biking. Most of the time nice. we're on the farm, though. It's kind of, we enjoy it so much. It's almost like we're, every day is a vacation, kind of. When you enjoy something, it's, it makes it a lot more fun. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I'm just sitting here, like, completely baffled by the fact that, you know, you said it was your dad that took over the farm at, at 13. Like, no, my, my grandpa. Your grandpa. I'm at the, yeah. yeah, 13. Yeah. Yeah, just, oh. I'm still sitting here being like, I wasn't responsible enough to like do anything at 13. Like, I can't imagine. No. Like, here's here's the hot farm, son. Like, could have well, a wallet now. for a week. It was the Great Depression. I mean, they had a uh, they had some chickens. They had a milk cow. They had a you know barn. I mean, that's what they lived off of, and yeah. they didn't have much. And I yeah. think he kind of he kind of grew up fast. I mean, Brian can't even keep a succulent alive. So. Yeah. You know, imagine, imagine, imagine I'm 34. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> plants inside are tough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked a lot about hops. We've talked a lot about hop growing and, uh, and getting responsibility way younger than you probably should. Um, can you give us a brief rundown for those of us that don't know sort of what the growth cycle for hops is, how that works? Yeah. So hops are perennial. Um, we grow them on 18 foot trellises. We start in the springtime by, um, yep. Behind you, you got trellises. That's actually one of our fields. Anyways, we start in the spring. If we're going to plant a new field, we, we get a rhizome, which we will dig off of another field, or we, or we get a pot and we take um, leaf cuttings and then start a new plant. So we'll either get a rhizome or a pot, and then we'll plant those. And then once that's done, that's in March. And then in April, we twine. So all the twining is done by hand. We do a half hitch on the top, and we have these twining carts that carry you know, thousands of twines on them. And they have to tie every single twine. And then there's a metal W that takes it down to the hill. And then from there, it's latched into the ground. And then as the hops grow, we try to train the month of May. So we'll, we'll start training May 10th to June 1st. And our goal is to hit the summer solstice to get the, the ideal amount of growth to get our highest yield. So we have different training dates for different varieties, which they have different harvest times. And our goal is to hit that 21st, I believe is the summer solstice. So right around the 4th of July, we want to be to the top of the wire. And that's about when they start, you know, by the 20th of July, they're starting to put cones on. And then throughout the summer, uh, we spray. Uh, we have a cover crop that we grow to keep our beneficial bugs alive for sustainable farming also as well. 
Um, we plant mustard, radish, triticale, barley, all kinds of stuff in there. And our main goal is just, you know, to take care of the land and keep the bugs healthy, the beneficial bugs and keep the dust down for spider mites. So, and also all of our uh, fields are on drip irrigation. So those are some of the technologies that we've switched to. We used to be furrow irrigation, which is really irrigated out of a cement ditch with a siphon tube. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen that. Anyway, so we're all drip now. And then, so we water all season, we're spraying, and then harvest comes along, which is usually August 27th, or whatever that Monday is. And that's about when things are ripe. We test all of our varieties and see which ones have the correct dry matter. What the dry matter does, it's the amount of moisture that's in the, in the berry, and it'll tell you how ripe that plant is. If the dry matter's high, you know, it's not ready. If it's lower, then you're, you're closer to being able to harvest. I have a follow-up question. Um, I'm pretty much an expert because I've grown hops for the first time this year in my backyard. And uh, when you say train the hops on, on that vine or on, you know, the, where the trial is like, are you doing that by hand? Are you guys all going out there? And yeah, so we have crews um, that's all by hand. We have to train it um, clockwise. So it follows the sun. So that's another tip for guys, you know, growing hops in their backyard that needs to follow the sun. I've been doing this all wrong. Yeah, and you got to put it in a yeah. sunny, sunny spot. They don't like the shade. So for the entire farm, you're going out there and training by hand. Like that's a, a manual yep. thing. So we There's twine not a by machine. hand. We train by hand. Yeah. At harvest, we hang all wow. of our vines by hand. Wow. So, so we have a crew of about 400 people at harvest day and night. Wow. Yep. It's a 30-day harvest. And that's, that's what I was going to say, because it doesn't stop there. You spend all spring and summer caring for the hops as they're growing and then you have a what five week period where it is non-stop work of processing those hops and yeah per variety you have one week to pick them either they're too green or they're too ripe so you got to be ideal on that is there an industry term for that like do you guys call it goldilocks (laughs) no i goldilocks we, we call it picking windows and yeah I have actually heard that because I've heard from some brewers that depending on when you pick, like, let's say Simcoe was the one that was brought up in this example, it can lean more piney or more fruity depending on where it gets picked. And I guess that has to do with the oil concentrations in there, that dry matter. And yep. So Simcoe is actually the one of the first varieties we pick. So we pick, uh, well, we grow 22 different varieties. So we start picking Simcoe. We pick Amarillo, then we'll move to Chinook, and then we'll pick Citra, and then Mosaic, Cascade. Um, we also raise a bunch, bunch of other high alpha varieties, you know, like a Zeus, uh, Apollo, which is a Steiner variety. Yeah, we have Cashmere. We have all kinds, um, a bunch yeah. of experimental varieties. It just goes on and on. So, yeah, and. Um... That kind of leads me into my next question is I think people, definitely beer people, craft beer people know Pacific Northwest is where hops are grown in the United States. Pretty much all of the hops used in the industry, uh, American hops used in the industry are grown in the Pacific Northwest. And people may know of Yakima Valley and Willamette Valley, but recently Idaho has become the second largest hop producer out of all the states. What do you think has led to that? boom and growth in Idaho hop production? 
Well, I mean, obviously the craft industry has, you know, has experienced a lot of growth. Um, they're using a lot of the newer varieties. So, so between Yakima and Idaho, well, I guess Washington and Idaho, you can plant a baby hop and get 70 to 100% of a full crop. So when they want a new variety, you can change out faster and you can be nimble and, and you know, fill that demand of a new variety. So Oregon, you, have, you plant a hop and it's a baby and you can't twine it. And then the next year it's half production. And then the next year it's a third pro- full production. Mm-hmm. So we're a little faster to change to markets. They grow amazing hops in Oregon, but it's just, I think some of the growth has been there and hops grow really well down here. Is that a climate thing? Is that like a it's soil a thing? thing? Okay. It's soil climate. You know, I mean, we're, hops have to grow on the 45th parallel. They're either going to be 50 or they're going to be 40. You know, that's the range around the world where they're all grown. Wow. Huh. You mentioned that you're growing a lot of hops. I think you actually, you know, just kind of kept trailing because you still had more to, to list out of all the hops that you grow, or maybe that you don't grow. Do you have a favorite hop? Oh yeah. I have quite a few of them. Um, I mean, I love mosaic. Mosaic's my favorite hop. It grows very well. It's great to pick. Um, it dries nicely. It's just a beautiful hop. Uh, Citra is another amazing hop. Amarillo is amazing. Cascade's amazing. Chinook grows probably better in Idaho than anywhere in the world, I think. Simcoe is tough to graze. Uh, Centennials, we don't raise here. They're just a little too tough. Uh, growing high alpha varieties, I mean, they yield a lot. You drive by one of those fields and they're just very lush and full. And, you know, so, I mean, most of the hops, but I would say mosaic is my favorite. Mosaic. And actually, there's a there's a really interesting question that we have from the chat here that I want to bring to your attention. Uh, people, somebody, Nick and Laura were asking how much of the hops that you produce are turned into hop pellets. Ooh, I would say ninety five percent. You know, some of the hops that go. So we sell all of our hops to brokers, okay, and then they go from there all over the world. So some hops, if they end up at say Victory Brewing in Pennsylvania they use whole leaf hops or if they end up at Sierra Nevada, they use whole leaf hops, but that's very few pounds. Most of it's all pelleted, you know, then some of the high alpha is extracted. Let's take a beer break and talk about Boise's nickname, the city of trees. This nickname predates the founding of the city. And it's said that when French fur trappers would see the Boise river Valley, they would exclaim, les bois, les bois. French for the trees. The trees are really the woods. Uh, Today, Boise lives up to this nickname, employing a city forester in charge of not only the 600 trees housed in the city's nursery, but the over 40,000 trees in the Boise area. Furthermore, Boise is committed to planting 100,000 additional trees by the year 2030 with their City of Trees Challenge. So far, Over 35,000 seedlings have already been planted. Now let's get back to the show. So let's dig more into the hops. You mentioned one in particular there, Cascade, is is known as kind of the all-American hop, really the one that started the craft beer boom. It's, you know, the feature hop in many beloved beers like Celebration Ale or Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Um, But nowadays, there are literally dozens, if not over a hundred different hop varietals out there. How do we keep developing new hops and what has led to this variety of hops that we have nowadays compared to 20 years ago, where it was 
much less. So all the hops we raise are females. So every hop that's made out there is a female. And what will happen is there will be a random male around. So what they'll do is they take a male, the pollen from a male, and they breed that hop. And then that hop cone will have seeds in it. And then they take those seeds out of that hop cone when the, you know, the season's over. And then they grow those. And you might get 20 seeds out of a cone. And you might have you know, one that's a female and two males and the rest are nothings. They're just, they don't produce anything. And so from there, you take the ones that start growing and then you get in, they're just like your kids, you know, they're different than you are and however they turn out, you know, <laughs> but there are like, uh, there's like a USDA funded. Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's USDA breeding, breeding, breeding program, program right? there's a public breeding program. There's hop breeding company. There's SS oh. Steiner. There's Indie hop. There's Indie hops out of Oregon. Strata, sure I think is the big one they've come out with re- recently. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We do not grow it in Idaho. I've tried many times, but yes. I was going to say something about that because that's the one American hop that's in the beer that we're drinking tonight. And I found no, no record of it being grown in Idaho or outside of Washington. There's a I little think. bit in Yakima. A little bit in Yakima. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So speaking of, of new of hop varietals and, you know, different sort of styles of hops that, that we have, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the Sabro hop. It's really known for adding coconut, tropical fruit flavors, uh, and its lineage has a really special story. Uh, crossbred from Neo-Mexicanus hop, a uh, yep. family of hops originating from the mountains of New Mexico. Mexico. Seems like you're familiar with it, which is awesome. Yep. So with these new sort of wild hops that are coming out, uh, does it present a different challenge for hop farmers like you? Oh, it sure does. Um, well, the Neo-Mexicanus you know, lineage is, is a shorter growing hop. So we actually have a hop we recently planted called Zappa. Oh, and that comes from CL, CLS Farms. And, uh, you know, the Neo New Mexicanus, it kind of looks like, like a Medusa head type. I don't know. It's very strange looking hop. And it just, it has trouble growing straight up and it'll get, you know, 10 feet tall when it needs to be 18. But, it, and yeah, so there, there is a challenge growing that kind. Um, Sabro though was a great hop and we had them planted last year and, um, you know, they got overdone and planted and we actually ended up taking them out. But yeah, we had those for three, two years and they were awesome hops. What do you mean by over, overgrown, overplanted? So the demand just wasn't there for the pounds that were planted in the ground. Wow. Yeah. So if a hop variety goes out of style and people don't want it anymore, there's no reason to produce it because you can't really do anything with it other than make beer. That's, that's interesting because we actually got a, a question in the chat here too. Uh, Chad was wondering, um, and I think it kind of goes for demand too, uh, if there's a range of costs for like the most expensive hop to like your lowest uh, price top um, and which one is, has the highest demand um, out of all the ones that you sell. I think Mosaic and Citra have the highest demand right now. We were at the hop convention and there was a survey done by the brewers and Citra was one that they couldn't get fresh citra strata was a big one that was on their list as well but mostly citra mosaic is there is there a difference and in el dorado is another great hop too yeah is there a difference yes. in pricing in between all of those like yeah is one like extremely expensive and one's like you know super cheap and easy yep. to get a hold of yep what's uh what like what's the what's the what's the top of the top and the lowest of the low Lowest of the low. That's a a hell of a way to put it. Well, I mean, hops range anywhere from three dollars to fifteen dollars. Put it that way. Yeah, 
And is but it the, the one could yield way more, and the one could yield way less, and the one could be in demand, and the one could be, you know, whatever it is. So between demand and average yield is usually what is driving those prices. Yeah, and I mean our our growing cost as well mm-hmm. um, with inflation and everything that's happened. Um, it's really our cost of production has gone way up. So I think a lot of these, you know, owners of these pr- private varieties are trying to keep a, this market up so we can stay in business as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I always remember like when I was actively home or home brewing, Amarillo was always expensive. Citra was always expensive. Yep. Mosaic was always expensive. And it seemed like those, right. for lack of a better word, cool, those cool ass hops were the most expensive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were in demand and yeah. you know, um, yeah, it hops cost a lot of money to raise. So yeah. a lot of infrastructure that goes into it. So to so to go further off, off of those rising costs and the difficulties growing hops, this summer, we started off the show, both Isaac and I complaining about how damn hot it was. It is and is every day. What challenges have that heat presented to hop farmers and just farmers in general in Idaho? Well, uh, we have spire mites here. So last week we hit 109 and I think we were 105, 104, 103. I mean, we've been in the hundreds for the last 10 days. Wow. So we finally got some relief, but what happened was we had a kind of like a bloom of spider mites. So, you know, when a spider mite hatches, it already has two or three hatches inside of its belly. So the, the kid, the baby spider mite already is pregnant with like three hatches or two hatches. So they just ignite overnight. So with the heat, that brings dust. There's a lot of dust around. Spider mice like dust. They like heat. Hop fields are a perfect place to breed, and they, it's a big challenge for us. So how are farmers adapting to you know, those, the changing climate and these heat waves while also utilizing you know, improving technologies? So the big thing is MRLs. So we have lost a lot of sprays because of the European Union. And a lot of hops go to Europe. So a lot of our tools in our toolbox are getting limited because we can't spray certain things we used to be able to spray before. Mm. So we switched to beneficial bugs. So we put them out with a drone and we have like a little sprayer thing that spreads them out on the plants. And that seems to help, you know, cover cropping and all that stuff. You know, we try to do that as well for beneficials. Sorry. I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm trying to, I'm just stuck on the image of, you fly a drone and that Spray drops bugs. the yeah. bugs into there. And like, that's, that's very cool. And yeah, you already have a very cool job and farming is awesome, but like flying a drone around to drop the bugs to protect your crops because you can't use these certain sprays. Yeah. Certain deterrents anymore is yeah. That's a great, a uh, great question from Denny and Jan. And yeah. what is an example of a beneficial bug? So I, I actually don't know the exact name of these bugs, but they're, I don't know, they're spider mite killing bugs. They go and attack spider mites. They're like a ladybug. So they're kind of like a beetle like that. Uh, Lace wings would be one. Lace wing bugs. Okay. Lace wing. Okay. I literally just Googled what eats spider mites. (laughs) Yeah. It's a certain bug that we're getting. I don't know where it's from. It could be from down south, but they introduce it here and then it only attacks spider mites. My God, I hope it's so. There's three types that are listed here that I see. It's thrips, lace wings, and I hope that you are using minute 
pirate bugs because if you're dropping pirate bugs from drones to fight off the spider mites, that just that makes this story even better. Yeah, there's a children's book in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we actually get a lot of thrip in our onions and they cause a lot of problems with biting our onions and um, hurting them. They bite the, the leaves growing up. So the same bugs that you use to get the spider mites and the hops are probably- well, we don't use your... thrip. We don't use thrip in the hops. It's a different They're... bug. Oh, got it. It's a different different bug. Okay. Yeah. I thought you you had the unfortunate problem of like using one bug that like- No, no. Helped you with your hops, but didn't help your onion harvest. No. So we have another bug called the California Pyronus beetle. And it's this really big beetle that eats our, um, that gets in the hop vines in the last two years and then it grows. And it's seriously the size of like, I don't know. It's really big. <laughs> you can look them up, but those things are vicious and they'll go into a hop Oh my field. God. Yeah. Oh my God. We're gonna, here, for, for the folks viewing at home, we'll share maybe some pictures on our uh, Instagram, but that is a very large bug. Yeah. So oh, yeah, at night, it looks, looks like a cockroach. Yeah. So at night they'll fly into your windows or into your lights. So you'll be sitting outside, you know, having a beer on your porch. All of a sudden a bug just hits the wall and it's huge. Wow. That's a gigantic bug. So that's been a problem in Idaho, you know, for the last 40 years. Because what'll happen, you know, the hop industry in the early, I guess, late eighties and nineties and early two thousands was um, struggling, you know, the craft industry had not come yet. And a lot of hop fields stayed in the ground for a long time. And these Pyronus bugs got infested in these, these hop fields and were eating them. So it really hurt the yield. Jeez. So anyway, <laughs> new varieties and changing, it's got, gotten better. Completely unrelated to everything, except for those gigantic bugs that are apparently a huge <laughs> issue in, in Idaho. Have you seen those, uh, those little electric, they're like tennis rackets. <laughs> And, you almost uh, need them. You almost yeah. need them when they're flying. Around. Have, I would, I would just walk around with one. Do you, do you have like a belt that you can just put them on? And I don't, I don't. Yeah. I just swat them. I'm that fast. You, there you go. Perfect. That's what, those are the, uh, the side skills that you learn of being right. a farmer. And yeah. Idaho. Just kind of see it coming and yeah. get it on down. I would, I would have a heyday. I would have one of those electric, you know, tennis racket, bug zappers. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, next time I'm in Idaho, I'm going to bring one with me. I hope there TSA will let me carry it. Yeah. I, I like this question from uh, Doug. What beer is the professional hop grower drinking? Ah, there you and go. I know it's not a craft beer. I didn't have one with me. It's a cruise line. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> you know, we only got one beer tonight too. So I brought up, I brought it back up too. That's all right. I, I said that I was going to finish this before we're done. I still will, but I am, so pleased that I haven't had any of the challenges that you do with all these bugs and we don't have these gigantic, essentially potato sized beetles that fly into our, our face here. But uh, I do, I was wondering if you have any, um, I wonder if you have any uh, sort of like tips for those of us that are, are growing hops at home or novice hop growers. Yeah. The only tips I have is, you know, plant them in the sun, plant them where they can grow roots deep down in the ground, you know, pots, they're only going to last so long in a big pot or a big, you know, little barrel thing or whatever, you know, make sure you're watching your bugs and, you know, there's little sprays you can get from your local stores or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're not really that hard to raise. I think in the backyard, plant them in the sun and let them go. Yeah. Don't water them too much. You know, they don't like, they like having wet feet, but not all the time, you know? 
That's a good way to put it. Here's a question. I have had people, I've had friends, home brewers grow hops in their backyard and like a place that they were renting. And then like, oh, I've lived here for five years. My hop crop is five years old. I have to move now. I should probably dig that up. And then they go to dig it up and it's this giant root ball that they didn't expect was going to be there. Do you have uh, recommendations for how to get those giant root balls out of the ground? Uh, yeah, we struggle with it as well. <laughs> <laughs> we have big rototillers that we go in the ground. We rototill them up with. Um, the only way is just dig it out. And I mean, it's like a weed sometimes. They just keep coming back. Yeah, they're pretty crazy. I don't think people, a lot of people know that is that they did at one time grow fairly wild right? They, they, they are not a, they're not a weed, but they're, they're very much like a weed, right? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, a lot of the settlers brought them over, you know, and they may have came from the UK. They may have came from Germany. They may have came from wherever they came from. And I think hops just naturally started growing wild and males and females and all of a sudden different kinds of hops were out there. And, you know, that's just kind of happened. And I know a lot of like mining towns would take hops there so they could have a little brewery in a mining town so a lot of the mining towns have old hops on the sides of buildings or up you know in the upper united states so one uh final question that we ask all of our guests on this very show uh what is something you know we talk about we're talking about hop growing tonight we talk you know we're going to spend the next five weeks talking about the beer scene and, and boise and beer at large in idaho but what is something that you personally wish idaho was more well known for you know, I think a lot of people don't realize how many hops are in Idaho and how big this industry has become and how serious we are about things. Um, I mean, Idaho is known for potatoes, but I think some of the best hops in the world come out of here too. Known for better hops and more hops. Yeah. I uh, just, just thank you on behalf of all the beer people uh, for Idaho yeah. seven, Idaho gem. Yeah. Idaho seven is yeah. a great one. Idaho gem's good too. Those are phenomenal. my neighbors. <laughs> we actually grow some of those. Yeah. That's great. So thank you so much, uh, Brock, for joining us. On a personal note, I do just want to say that I think um, there are few professions as underappreciated as, as farming. Day in, day out, farmers do an extremely difficult job in an ever-shrinking industry. Big companies are coming in and buying up small farms and family farms are disappearing uh, every day. And what they do provides an invaluable resource to our communities uh, case in point here, if society collapsed somehow and we lost our governance, our interconnectivity, I don't know what I would do with my life, but I know who would. Uh, it would be farmers because farmers would just get up and do the same thing that they did the day before, which is their job. And yep. it provides an invaluable service to all of us. So I just want to say thanks to all the farmers out there, all the Idaho farmers. Um, and thank you, Brock, for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is Pretty fun. That's <laughs> pretty fun to chat with about hops. <laughs> Where can folks at home learn more about Idaho hop farmers and your farm? Uh, well, you can go to our, we have a website. It's Obendorf hop or obendorffarms.com, I believe. Um, you can see our family and our history and all the things we do. The Idaho Hop Commission, and it, you know, it has all the names of all the other farmers that are on there and you can Google them. So that'd be your best spot. Heck yeah. And I would highly recommend watching the video that's on the About Us page of Open Door Farms. You guys have a sweet boat. And, oh, uh, that boating deal? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> on there. <laughs> that's a little tease. Everybody go find that and please enjoy. So, yeah. Thanks again, Brock. Thanks, uh, Isaac. Thanks for co-hosting with me. Absolutely. Yep.
It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, by the way, everybody, the our backgrounds are literally Brock's farm. Uh, yep, we talked. We talked about fields. that. But what are we? The hot fields uh, uh, goes. Just out. look how good they look. Jeez, that's right. I saw. I've I've seen you sort of like oogling them the entire time. So we're we're glad we're able to keep your attention uh, with with your own farm in the back there. Um, but Brian, I have some uh, I have some unfortunate news that I need to tell you. Uh, I'm not going to be here next week. Um, I think this is the fastest that I've chased away a co-host. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, well, not coming back. Uh, moving there. No, I'm just. I, it's been on vacation on the books. I'm going to Canada, uh, so I will be out of the country and unable to to tune in here. All right then. Just gonna drop that on me now. Yep. This is yeah. this is it's definitely. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Well, great to do one episode with you. You're dead to me. Brock, thank you so much. Uh, This was great to have you on. Isaac, good luck with your trip, whatever you're doing in Canada. Thanks again tonight to our feature brewery, Lost Grove. Uh, We've got more from them later this month. Two more beers. Uh, But head over to lostgrovebrewing.com to learn more about them. Um, Of course, you can find more from us at bruvana.com. There you can join the beer club and get these great local beers shipped to you monthly and join us for these weekly live tastings you can also follow us on all the social medias at bruvana we'll be back next week with our next featured brewery from boise mad swede and uh until then stay safe be kind and support local breweries and local farmers good night everyone (laughs) 